How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Uh, it's going good. That's good. I am just hanging out. That's been the entire day. Hanging out. Down the street. Same old thing. I did, did last, last week. week. We're all all right. <laughs> We're all all right. <laughs> I remember the quarantine anthem being a little bit different, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so anyways, we were talking about Deltarune. Yeah, can we get back to that? Um, yeah, so chapter two, we can finally talk about it. I know it's been slated for a while now. You beat been... this like you had the pre-order copy somehow. You paid Toby Fox money, I think. Well, No, no, no. What happened is somebody posted, hey, uh, Deltarune's co- chapter two is coming out tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Because I'm not on Twitter. Um, and it had been two years, since, at least, since Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy fuck. So I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing tomorrow at 8 p.m. on a Friday. And I was like, okay, cool. So I slated out the time. It got released. And then I shut off everything else uh-huh. and played it. Yeah. And I did a normal run in like four-ish hours. Yeah. It is kind of nice of Toby Fox. Like... Video games often release for the weekend or like Tuesday. I don't know. It's weird, but like a lot of times on the weekend and it is a kind of hilarious that like a four hour <laughs> runtime game also released released for the weekend. It's like you could just kind of like stay up a little late on Friday you know, and beat it. But yeah, it's it is good, though, and it generates maximum, you know, everybody can play it, you know, have an opportunity to play it over the weekend. Yeah, it was uh, really cool because it came out of nowhere. I didn't have that anticipation of like, I hope it's not delayed type thing. It's just like, (laughs) hey, this thing's out. I'm like, huh? What? Yeah, Toby Fox doesn't have to like answer to investors. So he there's really no incentive to let everyone know when the drop is going to be and then have to potentially delay it. He gets nothing from that. In fact, he doesn't even get money from this. (laughs) So like... The, yeah. the running joke is like, how is Toby Fox making money? Uh-huh. My theory is still licensing. but yeah. He's taking royalty off of all of the fan art that the internet has made for his uh, his games. He gets one penny of AdSense for every 10,000 likes on a YouTube video that mm-hmm. involves Deltarune Chapter 2. Yep. Did you Del- make a five-second edit where you just uh, took Spamton's face and put on some music? He gets that money. Yep straight to his pocket this is the uh the corporate overlord of the undertale universe underverse mm-hmm. tell i don't know anyways <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing eyes and i'm like i realize it's not going to translate well in the podcast but uh whatever the universe is the undertale's in uh, but i did play it i played this game yesterday so i have fresh impressions impressions if you will um where would you Start. I mean, obviously, we're full spoilers. It's a four-hour-long game. If you didn't read the description, that's on you at this point. Also, I feel that the people who really wanted to not be spoiled by Delta Run Chapter Two would have played it by now. Yeah. Um, so if you're just listening to this episode, as should I get into Delta Run? <laughs> Fuck off! Don't be here. Like, yeah. it's not not for you. Um, this is. <laughs> it's also not a series like that you should really start at the most recent entry. I would argue like there's not definitely not. It, the, it's not like it's a far cry game really, but the graphics are so good in six compared to two. It's, it's all eight bit though. It's like, what are you, what are you going to do <laughs> to put this in the ghost in the shell terms? It's uh, not standalone. Mm-hmm. It's episodic. actually a pretty good. Joke. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so that's, I think, one of the big other things, uh, one of the big pieces of news. So when Deltarune Chapter 1 came out, it was like, oh, um, we didn't know it was even a fucking game demo. It was like, hey, take this survey program, mm-hmm. .exe. People were like, okay, sure, I'll do a, sur- a survey for Toby Fox. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, hey, full fucking game. And the whole yep. time you're playing it, you're like, is this, how long is this thing? And you were pleasantly surprised for a very long time. You're like, holy fuck, it was an actual game. And then it was so hype. So when chapter two came out, you'd obviously know it's going to be about the same length. But the big thing at the main menu, right, is it shows chapter one, 
chapter two, and then five blank chapter slots. Mm -hmm. So we now have an idea of the roadmap of how many chapters there will be. And conveniently, they correspond to a number of hearts (coughs) from Undertale. Yeah. And we can actually even extrapolate with the current pace of development what it'll take for us to complete the full story. And it's a decade in human years. It's a race to the death with George R. R. Martin at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, it is good to get a little bit inform- more information. I mean, this type of series really thrives off of the, the mystery of what's going on behind the scenes. Leaving questions unanswered is kind of its thing. I guess also... <laughs> By the way, this is also Game how I did tests in college. <laughs> leaving questions unanswered it's a mystery doc <laughs> I, I would slide the paper onto the professor's desk and i'd kind of like raise my eyebrows like you figure mm. it out mm. <laughs> if F- you're so <laughs> smart prove it <laughs> prove i don't know the answer and he's like i think i just did i was like that's a good point <laughs> oh no yeah but um but yeah i mean a uh, continuation in the universe uh it's nice that i mean obviously after chapter one we got a pretty good idea that things were going to continue along and chapter two just solidifies it right like there's still a pace to development toby fox is not perhaps does not even have laurels to rest on we don't know what foxes have but um just keeping at it for development yeah anyways um so that's the game recommend it um if you guys have any thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the other question that was immediately answered here that people had at the end of one is where does it go from here? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously it's safe to assume that it's going to continue from where it left off, yeah. but they could have kind of also done literally standalone piecemeal things just in universe, but mm-hmm. shake it up again each time. Um, because as we know, certain characters exist in this universe that are are also in the undertale universe yeah we don't know yet how they are related um i did get a strong piece of evidence i think playing through chapter two that makes me think it is the same universe though and that evidence is this is gonna be useless like this is esoteric for the listeners who don't necessarily maybe don't necessarily know as much but there's a part where asgore and toriel are talking in a supermarket and um, Asgore mentions that um, maybe he'll like he'll stop by when Asriel comes back, and that basically places it somewhere on the timeline of the precursor events in Undertale, like before everything when Kara was around. Mm-hmm. Um, when Azriel was missing as a flower, but before uh, Frisk comes along. Potentially, that's what it looks like. So you're saying this happens... Essentially, it is a prequel to Undertale. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. It's a prequel to Undertale, but it's happened after Azriel is a flower. Oh, I guess spoilers for Undertale too, but... It's been forever. Again, fuck them. Like, <laughs> you should know by now. Uh-huh. You ought to know by now. Do, 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 do. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. I mean, I'm fine leaning the... It is a precursor route. Mm-hmm. Like I said, because of the seven slots and the seven hearts. Um, it'd also be like a cool tie-in. So then I'm wondering, like, which heart is then Chris's? Right. Or where that all exactly fits in. Yeah, it, it doesn't fit it, it like not everything slots in nicely with this theory. It's just one Yet. piece of evidence. Yeah. Yet. That I'm that we're working on. And I mean there's certain characters here that um don't really make any sort of um splash. Like they don't really exist in Undertale, the old game. Are there any characters in the Darkner worlds? that are actually present in Undertale, the original game. I don't think so. I'm going to say a blanket no. So uh, maybe that's another piece of evidence then, right? Because they can't exist outside of it. I mean, possibly. 
I think any of the Undertale overlap characters would have been in the overworld yeah. or the real world. Because mm-hmm. hmm. my theory, this is my, my working fan theory, is that um, whoever this person is, I can't remember their name. Oh my God. Uh, Ralse is, I mean, obviously an anagram for Azrael. <laughs> right. Um, but also actually Azrael. Um, and they aren't a darkner they are from the outer world that's the reason that it doesn't matter when they go between worlds we're jumping like to level i know 10 i know i know it's like like incomprehensible to listeners somebody's like oh chapter two when i heard their thoughts on like the new music the new area we're like <laughs> all right here's the theory about the next seven chapters um, uh, so let's put a pin in that and come back to it because sure. i do want to hit it for multiple Conspiracy reasons wall Ooh, yeah. laminate it we're coming back, dear listener. Mm-hmm. Do not worry. Uh, so obviously, chapter two takes place in the library, dark world. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you expecting going in? Were you expecting a continuation of kind of the style of chapter one? Yeah, I guess something something to that effect. I didn't expect massive changes between chapter one and two. Like these are just different chapters and a new series, mm-hmm. Delta Rune. Um, so I didn't expect massive changes, just, you know, a lot of uh, the continuation of the story, right? Like, uh, Half-Life, any other game that's been released episodically, you want to see what the next thing is. Um, and that's really what I was going in hoping for. So to elaborate on the question a little bit, like, were you expecting the same type of style or were you expecting new music, new mechanics? Right. Um, I guess honestly more the same probably is what i was expecting and i think that's largely the case i mean i can't recall exactly it's been two years since i played chapter one um so if you have a better memory of some of the differences between them oh babe you know i do you know i do all right so So, here's the segue i'll just push it over in your direction i just unplugged jake's mic all right so listen (laughs) um the battle mechanics are still the same for how that operates um where you still use your heart to dodge enemy combat for how mm. i don't want to say projectiles but for whatever happens in the box yeah hazards st- still the same and then how you act or do combat is still the same as chapter one right mm-hmm. it's just the same the locale has changed and then right. like they'll add some other things but they'll also still have kind of like area hazards as well where you're not in active combat but maybe something is shooting projectiles and you need to have your party dodge. Yeah. And it will let you know, Hey, uh, your red heart showing don't get hit by shit. That's kind of your indicator. Yeah. Your translucent tell, Hey, the equivalent of your health bar or your hitbox actually is the, yeah, what it really is. Um, which is nice. It's a little bit of visual storytelling or visual mechanics conveyance, which I think is really useful and very helpful in a game when, you don't want to overcomplicate things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nice. Um, and they also added, like, as soon as you get to Cyber World, mm-hmm. it's a, you still enter the same way where you kind of like slide down a hill. Uh, but then they kind of add like this almost rhythm game mechanic mm-hmm. that ties along with the music for dodging certain things. Oh, yeah. Again, with like the area hazards and then some of the boss fights as well. Yeah, How did anytime, you feel about that uh, that stuff and the teacups? Yeah, I was going to say, so the teacups are a little obnoxious with an Xbox controller until I realized I should be using the D-pad. Don't use the stick. It's not reliable <laughs> by comparison at all. Or maybe Today my I Xbox controller. Con- that he played on an Xbox controller, not keyboard and mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it worked pretty well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, D- D-pad also worked fine. I do like any part of the game where you're going to sync up the tempo of the action with the music. And there's a few points in here where it's very deliberately explicit. I do enjoy that. Um, so it was actually funny because as I'm sure we'll get to eventually, I did a second playthrough where I used cheat engine to speed everything up. Um, and there are certain segments there where, so the music doesn't speed up just the game. Um, but in any time that the game was explicitly synced to the music, uh, it wasn't sped up. 
by cheat engine. That mechanic wasn't. So there's a part where you're supposed to drop dodge these dropping bars. Mm-hmm. And uh, says, as I was using cheat engine with a uh, speed hack, I just like zoomed right past it. And all the bars are just moving at normal speed <laughs> because they're linked up to the music, which is normal speed. <laughs> That's cool. Which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you give credit or not for that, because it's literally not playing the game the way it's intended, but it was a funny outcome. Well, it's just like a little nice touch of immersion, kind of mm-hmm. like Crypt of the Necro Dancer. It's, I'm paying attention to the music because it's needed for the mechanic. Yeah. So it just ties in. Also, yeah. Cyber World stuff is very upbeat and nice. Mm-hmm. I like that area theme a lot. I will say, though, I did not like the theme of the three robot brothers yeah i like their characters fine but out of all of the music in chapter two i think it is the worst theme Hmm. yeah i'm having difficulty even necessarily recalling it um so i guess it didn't have that much of an impression on me were there any that did stand out to you uh no (laughs) <laughs> no i'm just, I'm just <laughs> that's the worst possible my, my disheartened face <laughs> as as i've had like the I ost on loop for a bit yeah i don't know the names of all the tracks but the um the boss fight with uh giant mecha lady um was pretty great it's giant been, it was a lady classic uh yeah, don't it's queen. character it's queen it's queen but um <laughs> it's uh, by far it felt like the standout on the soundtrack for me it was just really hype upbeat energetic um it wasn't like frenetic like megalovania from undertale but oh my um, god no it was still really really good um it was super hype for the moment like i got lots of f-zero vibes mm -hmm. and also like this is towards the end of the game where you have that fight so like you're ramping on like this is the final conclusion fight so it gets you like really amped up um and it's obviously more interactive than some of the other fights because you're, mm-hmm. you're going back to like that punch out thing. Or yeah, it's earlier. literally punch um, out mechanics, dodge left, right, punch, um, which good. is good. I mean, so you're talking about like the evolution or what was different or the same in the, the mechanics and how you were more vulnerable during certain like hazard areas, even when you weren't fighting an enemy. But this is like a non-standard fight, right? Like there was places in Undertale where they played around with going outside of literally outside of the box (laughs) outside of the box yes um but it was all for dodging hazards like um for the most part it wasn't like to attack and in this one it's like there is no box there is no heart you're just in a big voltron versus you know the enemy voltron yeah i Um, play punch out i really like anytime it gets the box gets subverted like the first time in undertale that it really stood out to me is the papyrus fight mm-hmm. where it's like hey you have to jump over these things and you can't move around freely you're all you always have gravity you're like okay cool i remember this and then you go to jump over something you're like oh that's too high so instinctually you just hold up as anybody would or you hold jump for like maybe i'll get extra height and then you right. keep ascending and you get like the mm-hmm. super jump you're like oh that's really cool and like the box expands to meet that as well yeah and then you're like oh what's happening and it's subverted and it's it's fun and new yeah and I feel like some of the boss fights had a similar feel to where it's like Toby Fox is like, okay, we've done this. We've moved the box around a little bit. Let's let's move the box entirely and do something else. Yeah. And it's like really cool to see that design and like the moving cityscape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit. Like they really fucked around with it. And yeah, it's a lot more graphical effort to oh, have yeah. like a parallax like effect while you're on the street and stuff like that um, for the fight. It's it's a lot. It's it's clearly a lot of down effort. the street. <laughs> yeah, shitty yeah, callback. <laughs> I'll do it again next week. <laughs> I'm not all right. I'm not <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, but yeah, the 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 level of effort, musically, graphically, you know, it meets it meets the standards of uh, set forth by the Undertale franchise, um, which is you know. It's, it would be hard to phone it in like um, I guess I should qualify what I'm saying there I'm saying is like it would be hard to exceed it actually is more accurate right like um, the very nature of these games 
is it's like you're used to how this looks visually we're going to mix it up you're used to how the combat works we're going to mix it up we didn't just design a mechanic and then we just stuck with it um it's kind of like the um not two souls what was the uh, the co-op game we played recently it was strictly co-op husband wife um oh my god we had an episode on it Oh my gosh. I can't I'm unfortunately remember. blanking. I'm going to look on Spotify. All right. Um, I'll just buy you some time. But it was like that game in a way where as soon as like a mechanic begun, begins to become stale, as soon as it's a little bit predictable, you're just like, I'm in a bullet hell game. I'm dodging the projectiles. I'm building energy. I'm using powerful attacks or not in the case of a spare playthrough. Um, they mix it up. They change things. It takes two, by the way. That's right. Yeah, it takes two. Um, and the, the yeah, that novelty persists through this. Um, and the writing's really strong too. Yeah, like I always expect the same type of visual style. Uh, for it to be that simplistic, pixelized, not like going into the screen type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's easier to subvert that because of how low. It is expecting graphically, but the writing is also always on par. Like Mm -hmm. I've not played an entry in this universe where I've been like, Oh, this feels wildly different or bad. Like when like the little jokes happen, it really, it fills my heart with such warmth. Mm -hmm. Like I, I loved watching other people play it again. Like when you got to the, uh, Oh, but you told me you were a gamer. Uh-huh. And she yeah. goes, Birdly, I only play mobile games. And he's like, no. <laughs> and it's it's great in, in context as well, but also if you're somebody who plays games, yeah. Yeah, you'll usually take some degree of egress if somebody's like, Oh, I'm a gamer too. I play Flappy Bird. And you're like, ah. <laughs> so it, it just it fit really well. And they have lots of moments like that that it are really charming or on the nose, or it's just mm-hmm dumb toby fox stuff of just like a sentence like you appreciate the craftsmanship of these cardboard boxes right exactly and like they can reuse stuff like that it's just like throwaway jokes almost but it's still in that style of that feel yeah and then of course as i'm now rambling um <laughs> this the, is your time dave this episode is for you <laughs> my time to shine <laughs> the whole interaction of nobody likes birdly because he's annoying as fuck. Mm-hmm. So Noel is like, I'm trying not to get murdered by the queen lady. Could we like team up? And he's like, Oh shit, queen's coming. And then queen's like, Hey, uh, we should team up. And it's like, Oh fuck, birdly's coming. And then birdly's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what else is. We should team up like that whole interaction. Oh, mm, mm, great. Yeah. And everybody's hiding in the same alleyway spider-man-esque up the wall (laughs) it's it's literally over the top like dumb comedic Uh thing but it it fits it's essentially like an undertale when you hide behind the lamp that is shaped exactly like the player character yeah right like it's that type of humor it's like it's it's meant for like dumb tv sitcom type thing where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. that joke would only work in tv where you as the audience get it and you're like how do the people in the show not see that thing yeah there is um i'm not i have to literally look up the definition of this to see if it's um so the the term that came to mind was like vaudeville comedy um and it's not a complete fit i don't think that it really necessarily uh fits exactly but the the mixture of music comedy and um an upbeat tones basically mm-hmm. is very common in undertale it's not a complete fit it's got to be something else but it's almost like um it's some sort of ongoing comedy skit like you said um and just so much of this is just core gameplay there's a line running all the way through you've got that and then literally just injecting comedy skits <laughs> like along the path yeah it is a lot of those um and what i think helps with this for this time around because like queen is like your ongoing antagonist throughout chapter two whereas the chaos king in chapter one like it was kind of like asgore in a way where it's mm-hmm. like hey there's this 
mysterious dark figure you have to encounter at some point. You're like, cool. Right. And then you do at the end. Whereas Queen is constantly running around being like, LOL, XD. Mm-hmm. I'm evil, but also very slapstick and almost roadrunnery. Not roadrunnery. Yes. Wild E. Coyote kind of about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, she's like almost successful. She plays the boundary of being like too powerful to actually fight, but like never actually being capable of stopping you. Um, always ahead of you, but never utilizing it. Things like that. Oh, yeah. Entirely that. I think we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but she had uh, reminded me a lot of Metaton from um, from Undertale. But Metaton is kind of other than the... Um, the dialogue and like the singing scene and some other like standout moments, like isn't really its own character in a way. It's kind of just a boss that you see in advance mechanically. Mm -hmm. Whereas queen has a lot more of a presence, I think throughout the game. Um, And which it's really good. Like it's a very popular trope to introduce the antagonist early and then continually remind you that the antagonist is there in front of you. Um, and you get completely different effects if you do something like the Asgore approach where they're mentioned and then perhaps mentioned again, but they're this looming dark figure on the horizon and the unknown evil that must be overcome um, versus the one that's just memeing on you through the entirety of the game. And that's who Queen is. Yeah, it's much more of a. <sighs> Who's the guy from the Smurfs? I'm going to go with Papa Smurf or Gargamel gargamel right so he's constantly like an evil figure um Mm -hmm. and he has evil intentions but his presence from what i remember briefly this is actually before my time was always very i don't want to say slapstick but it was never like came across as too much of a threat right Mm -hmm. um it's like high potential threat low actual yeah because he's like i'm gonna eat smurfs <laughs> and you're like that's terrifying and then never succeeds that exactly it. <laughs> like it's just that oh that's really dark uh-huh. so like queen's whole motive is like she wants to replace people's face with like robot faces you're like that's actually kind of terrifying on a level of like five nights at freddy's type deal yeah mm-hmm. but throughout like the whole time you're not getting that vibe mm-hmm because she says at some point crisscross applesauce. That's her fucking vibe, right? <laughs> yeah. Or and just it, like and her design and memeing about shit. With like she has a display kind of like ruiner where like a word or short phrase will show up. So it's like when she's trying to deceive Birdie to say that she's interested in Birdly. something he's trying to do. Birdly, sorry, yeah. Trying to do something uh he's trying to do something, have her tag along or whatever. She's just like, sure, I'd be happy to come with you. And it just says lying on her face, (laughs) which I mean, it's very on the nose. But like the type of humor that Toby Fox conveys is there's usually like a level of purity to it that children, I think, would enjoy as much as adults do. It kind of just like cuts through that age boundary. And it's just like, oh, that's actually kind of hilarious. I got you. Yeah, some of the things are like so straightforward and simple but they work on all levels like going back to undertale the first time you meet sans and you get like the whole whoopee cushion type thing Mm -hmm. right farts are funny right (laughs) like they're just universally funny yeah uh so he'll do other approaches like that and it's just it's good yeah it's good and it's the same the same comment we made in the original Undertale, but the music is tied like intrinsically to the tone. Like a fart joke on its own would be fine, um, depending on the presentation. Potentially great, but when it's tied with like the music being completely cut out until the joke executes, and then a really lighthearted track comes on, there you go. Right. But this you- is also after something really dark and like impactful. Yeah, exactly. Where you have like the bum bum of like undertale and you're like oh shit this is the game uh-huh. uh, and you're getting into it and it's like ah we're kidding come on in <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's you show up to like a kid's birthday party and it's like all right you can come in but first you must kill a child and you're like what no and you're like no nah, i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> <laughs> we got tons of kids in here don't have to kill 30 kids are invited <laughs> 15 we'll leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um i'm sure we'll get to some of the 
I wouldn't say tonal inconsistencies, but range <laughs> that the game can provide tonally. Um, well, it maintains I, a very heavy range. <laughs> not disagreeing on that. I did want to ask, though, are there any other characters you want to highlight from Chapter 2? Namely, the big ones are obviously going to be Queen, mm-hmm. Spamton, G. Spamton, Noel, and Birdly are the big new additions. Right. I mean, I actually don't hate Birdly. I know that he's meant to be kind of... I mean, he's annoying as fuck. But the character, mm, he's so good as what he is. Yeah. And a lot of it, like... So, Toby Fox will use different animations for this one for different, like, facial expressions. It existed in Undertale as well. Burger Guy, very classical example of um, standout animations. The one where he looks like he's high in particular, I think, (laughs) is one a lot of people remember. Um, but Birdly has this one scrunched up face animation where he's just like being sarcastic or like la- it's his laughing at his own joke. It's pure is, smug. Yeah. Yeah. The impression it gets, but it just looks like his face is just compressing in on itself. Um, and I can't help but laugh at it like every time. That's really good. I think he actually has the best face animations in this game. Like if, uh, as far as getting a rise out of me, making me appreciate it. Um, very emotive. Yeah, and he actually has like character development too. So like he needs the the range. Whereas Noel still arguably has character development through mm-hmm. one of the runs. Um, every time you see her face, it's always very wholesome or innocent. And I think mm-hmm. that's how she's designed. As to you want to feel not pity for her, but like you want to see her stand up for herself. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like, she's so sweet and wholesome. You're like, please just say fuck and punch someone in the face once. (laughs) Yeah. To a certain extent, she's essentially, she, she's the damsel in this game. Um, literally the first one kidnapped, um, Mm -hmm. you know, forcibly conscripted into queen's army. But since this is a Toby Fox game, the relationship is much more, of mutual respect and care than actual conscription. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, that's what he does though. He, he takes, he takes tropes. He takes the hero's journey. He does things like that. And then he just like tweaks it a little bit. He's like, what if the bad guys aren't bad and the good guys could be bad. And you know, the choices you make along the way are the friends you made along the way, (laughs) the friends. Yeah. Literally. Um, Who's your who's a standout character for you? You've been asking all the questions so far. My time to shine. Um, I really like all of them. Mm-hmm. I would say almost equally, but I'd probably play Spamton at the lowest because he has I, I didn't I have like the least either. interaction with him. Yeah, like he, he very cool as a novel character is being memed a ton online. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need to do the secret boss fight to probably fully appreciate him and get all of that lore. Right. Still cool. But I like Birdly for being Birdly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's fun to shit on. And his music's great. And he's such a tryhard. All mm-hmm. of Queen's stuff is great. I love all of her music. He I'm uses really a poleaxe in combat too. An energy poleaxe. It's called Halberd, by the way. <laughs> which I thought was cute. Mm-hmm. And then um, Noelle, I really like because she's sweet. Oh, I just got it. Oh, jeez. Oh, you just got the halberd. <laughs> I just got it. Yeah. All right, that's fair. He says it one of the, like the dialogue lines in the fight. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But I also really like Noelle because of the alternate route, mm-hmm. because you get to see that other side of her. Right. Do you want to talk alternate? Yeah, route? let's let's talk about alternate route. So, Undertale had an interesting mechanic and the the opposite of it was basically on the box i don't know if it was ever in a box but it was on the steam summary page and it was like um a game where you don't have to kill anyone something to that effect um which was great neutral run was forced the first time but in subsequent runs you could go like true pacifist or you could go genocide (coughs) which is pretty dark (laughs) what is otherwise you know a relatively lighthearted kids game about friends and family and since then 
I don't know if Toby Fox always has his heart in it or not. We can talk a little bit about that. But he's continued this trend of underlying potentially dark themes. Um, and that is the arc Noel can take uh, center stage on in chapter two. I want to have a brief mention because this was actually something that was skipped in chapter one. Yes. Chapter one was fully wholesome outside of like the chaos king being relatively bad quotes air quotes um and i guess jevil as like a secret boss was also kind of evil but in like more of a zany chaotic way it wasn't really like that dark tone that we got from genocide Mm -hmm. until the very end of chapter one where like you see some interesting interactions with chris and you're kind of like hmm you just got all you got is a "Hmm." yeah (laughs) vote him out (laughs) But in chapter two, um, you obviously have the neutral route and you can like be nice and recruit the enemies and all happy fun times. But specifically uh, in this one, it's not a genocide route as much as when you team up with Noelle and she's a part of your party, mm-hmm. you can have her freeze enemies. That's yep. really her only... Di- I mean, she can auto attack, but she kind of like flails she's her like, arm ah. and it deals like very little damage. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like she gets pulled into the dark world, it's the whole thing's new for her. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't want to be there necessarily. Uh, so she's just kind of along for the ride. But you, as Chris, again, loose air quotes there, uh, can tell her to proceed with certain interactions, and you always have her freeze the enemies. Yeah, and it gets progressively darker because you see you get to see her inner monologue of like her questioning what's going on, mm-hmm. but then. She doesn't have memory of all of her actions, but she's like, oh, it's fine. I'm getting stronger. I trust Chris. Yeah. And like you see this, I don't want to say predatory relationship, mm-hmm. but it is very much like Chris is kind of controlling her and egging her on to do things that are questionable. Yeah. Um, like when you get the ring that increases your freeze power. Yeah. Like frozen by a lot, by the way. Like, there's two rings you get. One, like, doubles your damage. The other one, like, quadruples it. It's insane. Yeah. Um, when you tell her to get the ring that you don't have money for, he, he's just you just keep repeating, like, get it or yeah. proceed. And yeah, it's, it's get the ring. Like, or go get it, go get it, go get it. Yeah. And then she kind of, like, says, freaks out, like, fine, I'll get it. And then it kind of, uh-huh. like, flashes white. And then you don't see the shopkeeper anymore. And you have the ring. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of debates like, oh, I don't know what happened, but like, I guess he gave us the ring. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's making these justifications in her head. Yeah. Uh, which is arguably really dark because it's not, it's not an overt evil. It's a mm-hmm. much more close to home. Oh, anybody can kind of justify an evil action in their head. Yeah. Type thing. And not see it as evil. Dis- disassociates through like a lot of this. Oh, with yeah. the justification and the game the game gives you like a couple hints so i had to literally look this up i would never have found this otherwise also but same pe- i'm gonna throw that out but, there but people people do figure this stuff out and usually when you're fighting enemies um when you defeat them they run away and you get the message uh you get stronger or something like that um and if in a specific condition that an enemy is finished off by noel freezing them it says noel gets stronger and that's actually the first hint um but also they stay frozen in the overworld which is usually they're they're absent um and then there's special dialogue if you go backwards when you get noel for the first time where she's like where are we going where are we going and usually if a game throws anything different at you it's a sign that you're experiencing a new path new route new content so that's your tell um it's really smart it doesn't handhold it but it gives you like a little clues that you're on a different route also i think people probably found this out through trial and error but if you let's say you freeze the first enemy by accident you didn't know about this possible route or mechanic and they stay frozen cool you now know that they're there um and then if you go kill another enemy and you don't freeze them so you mm-hmm. kill them with either chris or noel or you spare them the route is immediately done yeah. Um, and that, that frozen enemy won't stay there any longer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you continue to freeze them, they will stay and you can continue on that. It's kind of like that reinforcement of, hey, this is a separate thing. 
Yeah. There's also apparently a musical note. Um, a, yeah. Like upbeat music or a, not upbeat. There's a sound uh, effect. Yeah. What's there's like high sounds and low sounds, but it's a high sound if you um, ever leave the route, um, which you can do at certain like dialogue junctions. Anytime you decide to say something other than like proceed or just do it like the Nike spokesman or something like that, um, you'll get the sound and the uh, route's abandoned, which you can do up until the birdie fight. <laughs> yeah. And the big the big thing there is like when you run into Birdly, like when you run into like the Birdly, normal route, you. you <laughs> I'm never going to say I it wasn't right. going to throw him under the bus that time. <laughs> uh, when you do like the normal thing, it's like he comes up to you. He's like, hey, what's going on? Um, and you have your interaction. Then you get into a fight hmm. for that encounter. But when you do it through this route, she's like, she kind of has her eyes closed. And she's like, oh, Chris, is it another enemy? Do you want me to mm-hmm. deal with them? Mm-hmm. And then, like, opens her eyes, and she's like, "Oh, it's Birdly." Yeah. Um, he has to snap her out of it, basically. Yeah. So, like, she's already in that mindset. And then, if you use the ability Snowgrave and freeze him solid as like a character, and um, she resists it. Yeah. Like multiple that's, times. That's the other dark part. Is like you get that when you get the Thorn Ring, which is the second ring you were talking about, yep. Snowgrave. Otherwise, it's impossible to cast because it takes too much special. TP to like actually cast, but she legitimately when you first try to use it after you max out your TP bar, she's like, "I don't know that spell," and you have to just click it again. And she's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Well, yeah, each time that you have to do something to like force Noel forward, mm-hmm. it's not just like do this thing. It's like you essentially like pushing her into it. You're like, yeah. "Do it, do it, proceed." Mm-hmm. Like even like on like the annoying mouse puzzles, right? Mm-hmm. You literally like back her into a corner, and you keep saying like "proceed," and then right. she kind of disassociates, white flash, and then the whole puzzle's frozen, and you don't have to do it. Yeah. So in the same way, she freezes Birdly solid, mm-hmm. and then kind of like disassociates and fucks off, right, yeah. for the rest of the game. I do like her line like before she freezes him the final confirmation thing she's just like that's like fine if you want to see what happens when I cast a spell I don't know then I'll do it um, and causes this blizzard and freezes birdly so like at this point in the game you're like oh okay right and then you don't see birdly for the rest of the thing you don't see Noah for the rest of the thing and then when you leave the dark world if you remember from like the normal route, people wake up in the library like, oh, what happened? Oh, I guess we fell asleep while studying, LOL. And then they leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this time, Birdly does not wake up. So we don't know if he's unconscious or something else. Yeah. But this is like the first time that in the Deltarune universe, we're seeing something fairly dark happen to a character in the actual world. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting, like it's it is heavily implied that he's dead. I fought him, and when he wakes up, he says like that. I was like, "Huh, that's weird. I can't move my arm because presumably his arm was injured well, in the fight." No, no, no. Unless it was something else. The route you went, uh huh. Um, for the one I watched, because you were aggressive and combative throughout, and you didn't save Birdly from Queen. Right? He had to literally right. rip. He had to use his own will to like rip off the uh, control mask. Mm-hmm. and then that kind of exploded and it hurt his arm gotcha right so that's, so that's why you saw that piece. but that tells you you know injuries sustained in the dark world affect lightners and light world um so yeah being frozen to a solid block probably not good for your health yeah so it's it's kind of wild yeah um there's but- apparently some other stuff i missed like you can find her in the hospital Noel in the hospital later and she's like talking to her dad yeah um and she doesn't really like it if you approach and <laughs> a weird route is apparently what it's called in the um the files but the dark route um but she recognizes uh your voice um 
as this like it's it's not chris's voice talking to her anymore it's someone else's which again calls back to like undertale player versus player character yeah relationship and i will say in that route she notices uh, air quotes chris first Mm -hmm. whereas if you do a different route she notices Susie first because Susie is her crush right right Mm -hmm. also in the normal route if you go and visit her and her dad in the hospital it's a fairly normal interaction like where they're playing a game together um but in the weird route um she doesn't want to relinquish relinquish control of the game to her dad Mm -hmm. because she's struggling with that control yeah and wanting to have the control and i read this this is like a very minor thing but you know another little change but she uses like a fire ability apparently on the normal route and and the weird route she uses an ice ability again reinforcing that she is elsa obviously um <laughs> this is a great crossover um, <laughs> let it snowgrave a classic yeah. oh yeah and snowgrave the description for the spell actually says it has a tag on it fatal yeah um which is pretty metal and if you if if Chris goes down, so uh, Birdly won't ever attack her until Chris goes down in combat. But if Chris goes down, he's like, uh, Birdly's like, Chris is down, like you're, you're free, like you know you don't have to keep fighting. And she's like, No, I can still hear his voice. And you're like, Oh, this is oh, <laughs> yeah. The, the whole thing gets kind of kind of wild. Um, yeah. But I love that. See, so I'm an edge lord, right? Like I play Sephiroth, play Dark Knight and Final Fantasy. Like I love all of that stuff. And at the same time, like I appreciate in the moment some of these arcs, but at the same time, Toby Fox also makes them so dark at times. I'm uncomfortable because I'm an edge lord, but I also just don't like hurting people, even if they're, you know fake video game people sometimes if there's any sort of emotional connection there and these games are good at that yeah they like everything's very happy go lucky okay let's let's tangent back to the laminate and i don't know how you undo laminate a right. knife just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a segue in its own right um but basically with that like everything's very lighthearted. Ralsa is a very upbeat, happy character known as cute goat boy to the community, right? Mm-hmm. But throughout multiple points in the game, we find out when darkners leave their world, because mm-hmm. this is the first time we're in a second dark world, we have the case of Lancer, we have the case of Rules Card. We see mm-hmm. them turn to stone. The explanation being they are in a different dark world and they can't really sustain it unless they're by the fountain or something else. Yeah. Um, but we see Ralsei, who's from Chapter 1, from that dark world, chilling in Chapter 2, not giving two fucks. Yeah, the whole What's time. What's up with that? What is up with that? Very suspicious. The other thing, at the end of the normal route, or I guess either route, Ralsei invites Queen back to the dark world from Chapter 1. Which again, mm-hmm. Ralsei, the character themselves, has explained the rules that darkeners cannot go between worlds without side effects right and just kind of willy-nilly like yeah just come back to our place mm-hmm. suspicious and also queen's, suspicious. queen's room's not finished in that route where never like finishes making the room for her which compared to all their the evidence not super meaningful potentially but if you just expect this character to turn to stone and be a statue why would you prepare the room for them anyways yeah um so but also like if ralsei is expecting her to be a statue Mm -hmm. like what is their intention with that right well probably just to mislead you know play i guess there's maybe to make it we don't really know ralsei's intent here because ralsei does want you to close so the mechanic is there's these dark fountains that it can be created by a lightener if they like stab the ground with their soul knife or whatever it is. <laughs> and um, Ralsei wants you to close the other fountains, not the one that he's in. Um, 
but he doesn't want you in general to close the fountains, right? Um, and we don't really know exactly what that means. He says it's to avoid basically the apocalypse, but there's no reason to trust him. Like, negative reason to trust him. Well, I mean, it's just, you you only know the information you're provided. So, if you said, like, hey, don't do this thing, it'll be bad. You're like, okay, I'm not going to do the thing that'll be bad. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a fair enough assumption. But now, like, mistrust and misgivings are now introduced in chapter two. Yeah. What's up with that? We don't know. Also, two, two very suspicious characters who seem to have separate intents in chapter two. Ralse mm-hmm. and the protagonist. <laughs> so speaking of the protagonist, the other really dark thing at the end of chapter two, regardless of which route you take, is Chris and Susie go back to their house. Um, Toriel teaches Susie how to make a pie. And it's really cute and wholesome. And I was like loving it as like this. So we end chapter two. And then Chris goes into the bathroom, turns on the sink, music stops entirely, mm-hmm. rips out his heart, throws it under the cupboard, jumps out the window, disappears for a while, and then comes back in. So These this sluggish is, zombie-like movements through this entire thing. Yeah, this is like, I don't want to use any type of Kingdom Hearts time, but like the heartless Chris, it is which we saw that. like at the end of chapter one briefly, because mm-hmm. like the heart gets thrown into the cage as like kind of a disassociation between player and player character again, where like mm-hmm. you essentially are the heart. Um, you find out from Toriel calling the cops that the tires have been slashed for their car. And that's mm-hmm. why she wants like the kids to sleep over. Cause she's worried. And like, she's asking for the cops to come over and like check things out, make sure everything's okay. Um, and then Chris wakes up in the middle of the night, takes out a fucking knife and makes a new dark world in the fucking living room. Yeah. Which then gets back on the couch and basically replaces the heart covers yeah. for it, essentially. So it's essentially like the body of Chris is a completely separate entity, which is acting as the night creating these dark worlds. Mm-hmm. And that's the info we have at this point. Again, lots of questions. That's it's a Toby Fox game, so they like never answer all of them. What is the Gaster Blaster? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, what is that thing at the bottom of town where it's like a door that you can't enter, but it sounds super creepy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we won't get the answers, like I said, for another decade. But um, it is it is a very interesting experience going through it. I think. So I do have some thoughts as a comparison to Undertale. I think overall, there's no reason not to play these games. They're good. They're free, except for Undertale, which is cheap. And, and you should I, spend it money. It stands anyways. from like whenever we have that episode, I will buy you the fucking game. <laughs> but if yeah. you've listened to this episode, you should have already played it by this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is basically ultra spoilers. We uh, we went even further than we ever have. Even further before. beyond. <laughs> yeah, for spoilers than any other Undertale game. But um, all of that being said, great music, great plot. I like all of that. I don't know how I feel about the episodic format. And by that, I mean, if this kind of just wasn't released... Like, I get this. There's a large story that Toby Fox wants to tell. And breaking it out episodically is the only way to make it not a JRPG length title. Um, But it's hard to remember everything between the the chapters, for me at least. You know, if it go two years each way. And none of them have the same narrative consistency in a given chapter that Undertale had as a standalone game. What do you, I want you to explain that last bit or elaborate on that. So like, because it's the same issue, like any game that allows you to kind of import your choices has, it's like, are you a, is this a genocide playthrough? Is this a pacifist playthrough? Are you being nice to people? Are you being a jerk? Um, they literally like Toby Fox has to funnel people in a lot of ways into a relatively common path, which would involve diluting something like a traditional genocide playthrough in undertale where everybody's dead by the end of it, basically except Kara. Um, and 
so because of that, like you have to be able to play the next chapter, regardless of what choices you made here. And I feel like that does keep it essentially is tying his hands a little bit for what he could do with the subversive route or the dark route. Um, he kind of has to assume that end, at the end of the day, the consequences of what you do largely funnel into a more passive, upbeat, happy route. Um, I haven't checked to verify. I assume that what you're saying is true. I haven't checked to verify if you did have a genocide playthrough in chapter one, which wasn't necessarily it wasn't really a thing yeah. as far as like impact. If that would carry over. Um, or maybe chapter two is the introduction of that possibility. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does make that a lot harder to stitch together. Still possible. Um, right. But I do like that it's episodic to avoid what you're saying of the JRPG thing. Mm-hmm. Because if they're like, hey, here's Deltarune. It has 10 chapters and it's a 40 hour game. Right. I would love being able to play it binge that much. But it's definitely going to take away some of the impact of it's been two years since the game came out. Let's talk about what was added, what questions were answered, what questions were introduced, and it kind right. of theorycraft and build that part of the community aspect of it. It's like riding like these waves of like hype, like there's a new thing, and yeah. then everybody gets back on board, and it's great, and then we're all hyped, and then there's like time for like okay, nothing news come out for a bit, play some other games oh my god, there's a new chapter, and we get to relive all of that excitement. Right. Um, I think it's, for me at least, maybe it's a personal thing, but I don't know if I've ever played an episodic game where I preferred it being episodic, right? Like, when we went back and we played Wolf Among Us, yeah, it's the, only the thing reason it was a tolerable of. experience was because, I mean, not tolerable, would have been a fine experience in any case, but being able to play straight through makes it much more palatable than if you had like a mandatory stop. And I think Delta Rune is ultimately going to be in the same position, right? Like somebody who plays through this front to back seven episodes 20 years from now, um, you know, when Toby Fox's grandchildren complete the series, like that's not how generations work. I know, but it's still <laughs> rapid growth in Fox. I don't know how long it takes a Fox to mature. Like, um, I was going to say germinate, but that's the wrong word. Um, there is a word for it, though. Anyways, um, the point I'm trying to make is individually, none of them will have the same impact that Undertale had. And I think it's basically impossible because they're all, to a certain extent, fractured into their own little shorter storyline. That's kind of like a Goosebumps episode. Like, it has to exist a little bit on its own. Well, yeah, they're definitely standalone in that regard mm-hmm. but they do all tie together or they will all tie together presumably also with undertale otherwise very weird choice of things of having deltarune be an anagram for undertale anagrams and the 13 other different. anagrams they have um mm-hmm. or just reusing characters like this is officer undyne you're like hmm mm-hmm. or it's just sans right um that was the other piece of evidence is his like, is your brother here yet would imply that this is in the past because his brother is just not arrived yet. Um, whereas by the time you reach undertale, his brother's there. And if it's after undertale, they've actually left the underground entirely together. Interesting theory. So remember that uh, thing I mentioned at the bottom of town, mm-hmm. that was kind of like a, obviously the door that leads underground because it's a mound so it's oh. like a door that then presumably has descending stairs. Do you mean in in the dark world? No, overworld. Overworld, okay. I might not be familiar with the door. It's like the southeast of town. There's like a, a clearing among some trees, just some grass, mm-hmm. but there is a door. Okay. But it leads underground. So maybe this is before uh, things between humans and monsters get so bad. Right. That would kind of explain this because you are you are literally in a classroom as a human learning alongside monsters. Um, I feel like there's a lot of evidence that this is just a a prequel. Um, yeah, 
So anyways, that's our break. It took us an hour to get there, but and that was our conclusion finally. Let's title this one, It's a Prequel. <laughs> it's a Prequel. Prequel, got him. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, um, you basically have to, because the, the potential ending for Undertale proper is, like, so happy that I don't think anyone in the fan base uh, would be satisfied with disturbing the utopia that you basically end on by introducing all of this intrigue and mystery and potential murder to the the after credits, you know? Yeah, isn't it, like, nice when, like, a series ends, like, okay, there's my finality, and then, like, ten years later, they're like, hey, uh, we're doing Dexter again. You're like, why <laughs> did you do those extra four seasons, and now you're doing yet another season? Assholes. So I, I only watched, like, a few seasons of Dexter, and it kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, watch seasons watch. one through four, that's and don't touch any more. Part of the problem is, though, is I feel weird when I'm watching it because the the show basically glorifies murder. Yeah. Um, essentially, like I basically I, I, I don't know. I have no science to back this up, but I feel more people have died because that show was created than otherwise would have died because there's going to be people who have some mental situation. Well, I mean, the a- Punisher. I mean, anybody who's playing like a vigilante role yeah. and goes to the extent of lethal force, mm-hmm. you can make the same argument for. True. That's true. I feel like Dexter kind of revels in it um, to a certain extent. And I actually like I grew uneasy watching well, the, the show. The whole show, like stopped. it's meant to make you uneasy. They do a really good job of it because did you watch season four? No, I get to like season two. Uh. <laughs> All right, so season four, like, they do a much better job of adding the finality because, like, things hit closer to home. Yeah, and the we whole can't time, spoil like, Dexter. There's, no way, to, getting, there's no way I'm getting that into a spoiler alert at the beginning. <laughs> there's more so, like, you're... You become nervous for characters as the show progresses because you're not sure where it's going to go. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all the consequences in that show are very dire. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, Johnny's mad at Timmy. They... Timmy got punched. It's yeah. like, and people, that guy's dead. Horribly murdered <laughs> type thing. He started with Snowgrave. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Th- these eyebrows and like lean ins don't really translate as well. Yeah, no one's going to know um, what that pause was. <laughs> I'll just say, uh, eyebrow and lean in. Mm? Mm. It's very important to vocalize. Maybe I could do Maybe. like enough audio cues to, where people would make a visual association each time. Right, there's there's a pause, so people are just like he's probably an eyebrows moment. Or I could um, make like a little a little key, a little legend. Mm-hmm. If you hear these audio cues throughout the podcast, here's some things to visualize. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, Dexter, I'm sure it's fine. But uh, Delta Rune, Undertale, that universe, very awesome. I would personally, my personal opinion is um, that he should subvert expectations one more time and. Maybe not the next release. Perhaps it's the release after. He just closes out the rest of the series. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, here's a release. It costs money. And each chapter's <laughs> four through seven. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> not even chapter three. We'll just get uh-huh. that one. Well, uh, yeah, that's the next free one. And then then they, they, they open it up. First one's free. First two are free. First three are free. I um, mean, legitimately would give him any amount of money. Plan to probably get some merch <laughs> at some point along the way. Yeah. Again. Well, it's but. all over the place, so you don't have to look far to find Undertale or Delta Rune merch. That fan base is the worst part about the series, <laughs> <laughs> but also very enthusiastic. Yeah, um, I'll be excited to have another episode on Chapter Three in mm-hmm. about two years, maybe three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really glad that it happened. Looking forward to more. Uh, hoping they do more music with Lena Rain. Or maybe yeah. some other people like Disaster Piece, or just that would be funny. <laughs> I just I don't know. I will always love this, and it's cool to see more. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'll be very excited for when the next one comes. Yeah, next one's gonna be like a survival crafting <laughs> game. That's what it's gonna be. You take everybody that you uh, spared from previous games, and they're now the citizens in your colony that you need to manage. As you tell them to go off and chop lumber and mine to bring stone. to build a base in the underground, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
continuity continuity um but if you guys have any advice on how to overcome our crippling addiction to this universe you can send that in we won't listen to it but you could send it in to so some podcast at gmail.com or you could join the discussion on facebook where we'll just we'll keep most of the fan base out for this one you know we'll keep most of the fan base out but you dear listener we always value your feedback and you could submit that to us at facebook.com slash podcast and as always we'll see you in the next one have a good night